my pet, Queen Elizabeth, uh, the Rottweiler that usually attends our podcast, died this week. The pet got it. Um, she was one of my closest friends ever, and I'm super sad. Um, she lived four years with a disease that she was born with, so she would have lived four years even if she was tied to a Texan farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. She would have lived four years if she was just in some doghouse somewhere or some kennel. So I was glad that I got to spend these four years with her. And I take comfort uh, now in her death that I gave her happiness in those four years. And she went to like music festivals and she hung out at the podcast and she went hiking and swimming and all this stuff. But, you know, I'm mostly grateful that, you know, I was thinking today like, well, at least she didn't die by chainsaw. Or at least she didn't die True. because she had a teratoma that was trying to like take over her mind state. Mm -hmm. The motto of Speak All Evil is to find some good stuff, some fun stuff, and some positive stuff that, that comes from death. And uh, I'm sorry that Queen Elizabeth is gone. I'm very sad. Um, but she would want us to be here tonight podcasting about horror movies because she watched every single movie that we ever watched in this podcast with me. Let's go, Liz. Rest in peace. In 50 years, the world has changed a lot, um, but Leatherface hasn't. Uh, he's kind of just been, you know, cooped up. He's not he's not been surfing the Internet. He doesn't know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> and then one of the first times in, in our in our film that he even sees um, what's going on in the world is when he walks onto that bus. Mm. You know what I mean? And he sees all these hipsters with their cell phones and he has no idea what's going on. So, um, you know, one of the main things is that he's aged quite a bit, you know, and it's like, how, how does he move differently? How does he, um, how does he, how does he, you know, attack differently? And I didn't think there was going to be that much of a difference because I've grown up in Texas and there's a lot of these really sturdy old farmers that are still working on the farms at 80, 85 years old. So I had no doubts that Leatherface could uh, still have that chainsaw. I went back and watched the original and I was surprised at how beautiful it was, how saturated the colors are, colorful color palette, and uh, really amazing camera moves. And I wanted to do something like that, um, but I still wanted to keep the sort of gritty lo-fi aesthetic as well. So not got, not quite going too pretty with it. I think this, this world is um, open for lots more stories and interpretations and a lot can happen in 50 years. Try anything you cancel, bro. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Speak All Evil Pod. Next week, we got kind of a thriller week coming up. Dave has curated a couple uh, edge-of-your-seat thrillers for us. Uh, we're going to be talking about the brand-new movie called Kimmy, directed by Steven Soderbergh, which is right now uh, exclusive to HBO Max. And we're going to talk about the 1954 Rear Window, which is... Uh, only on demand, as far as I know. You're going to have to rent that one. I'm really looking forward to both of those. I've heard great things about Kimmy. I'm not sure I've ever seen Rear Window. This week, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> 
including the brand new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is exclusive to Netflix right now. That's an easy one. The uh, eagerly anticipated by some hmm. latest entry in the troubled, I think I can say troubled franchise. Hmm. I'm not going to get too much more into it right now. Um, before that, before we get to that, we're going to talk about a movie that we didn't discuss last year called Malignant. This is directed by James Wan with a screenplay by Akila Cooper. Um, this is kind of a tough movie to just give a brief uh, synopsis. Like, it's so crazy that it doesn't really matter, honestly, that much. It's the story of Madison Lake Mitchell. She is um, an expectant mother with an abusive husband whose husband is murdered by a, an intruder in their home one night, uh, brutally. And this uh, sets off a, a chain of events where Madison is having these crazy visions of murders and uh, people keep getting murdered mm. in exactly the way that she envisions. Um, this movie is <laughs> totally insane. Um, I don't. I don't really know. I guess um, there's a lot going on in this movie. It's it's really it's tough to just like give a quick um, take on it. Um, I think that it's a lot of fun for sure. There's a lot about it that I like. It, it calls back to movies like Basket Case, big time mm -hmm, from the mm -hmm. '80s. I thought it was kind of like a marriage of '80s and '90s, both to me or the the main influences. But um, I had read James Wan um, talking about how he's going to be doing the new Aquaman movie. And uh, I believe he said something to the effect in the interview that I read where he was going to be, like, going even more Hollywood than ever with Aquaman. And he kind of wanted to do, like, one last job where he could do the wildest, craziest horror movie. And, you know, because people know him for movies like The Conjuring, movies like Saw, Insidious, you, know, you name it, as a director, as a producer. And that he wanted to do kind of one more time where he did a, a crazy movie that was different than anything else that was a horror movie, but was a departure from the, the more recent stuff he's been known for. And so he made Malignant as sort of this, like, goodbye, I'm going to be Aquaman for the next however long that takes. That was my impression of what he was you know, setting out to do here. Um, Kat, what did you think of Malignant? Uh, Malignant has been a subject of contention in my household. Oh, wow. Yes, uh, since it came out last year. Oh. Uh, whether, the, this, the argument being whether or not this is a good film or not. <laughs> I go with the not mm. um, oh. half, unfortunately. I watched it when it first came out on HBO, and at first... In the beginning part, I was very much into it. Um, I knew there was something weird going on, and it was fun, like, trying to figure out, you know, what exactly this murderous being was. You know, was it supernatural? Was it, like, demonic? Was it, like, a misty something or other? You know, what could it be? And then the identity <laughs> of this creature, um, you know, is revealed, and I was just like, I'm fucking out. Like, I'm just like, drop the mic. Are you kidding me? Kind of a situation. <laughs> um, it was just so, it's just like the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. And I love Basket Case. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I should have been on board, but I just felt like bamboozled. I felt kind of tricked. Wow. But like not, I don't know, but it's like a love-hate situation for me because I felt like, it was so funny and comical, 
but I wasn't entirely sure that that's what he was trying to do. And so it just made it just so unbelievably like ridiculous to me. Just, I, I just like pick one, like go serious with it. But you can't like set up this serious thing and then have fucking Gabriel come out. Like I just can't. <laughs> Gabriel. It's just so bad. Um, yeah. Upon my second watch, I liked it even worse. Like I did not <laughs> because I knew because I didn't have that beautiful, you know, beginning period of being like, what could it be? Who is she? What is this? It was just like the whole time. Like, yep, that's fucking stupid. Yep. That's really stupid. Um, I guess I'm glad I have something to get like super baked and then watch and just like laugh at its ridiculousness. But as an overall film, I'm, I'm not pro malignant. I like this more every time I watch it actually. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely watched it when, right when it came out, I was down in Memphis. So I had time on my hands and it was like HBO max, new James Wan horror movie. I regret having like a lazy Sunday or whatever and watching this at home instead of taking my ass to the theater because I would have loved to have been with a whole bunch of strangers when the reveal happens. And say what you will about how ridiculous. I, I think he's laughing at us, honestly. I, I really do in some parts. But there are few movies now that have that much of an oh shit moment where yeah. whether you're in a theater or you're at home, even by yourself, like I was sitting by myself and even I was like, holy shit. And then <laughs> Gabriel goes full John Wick. And I'm like, this is not a good movie, <laughs> but it's so entertaining. It's yeah. so fun to watch. And it's funny you say that, Trent. I had heard that James Wan wanted was going to take the Aquaman franchise, pushing it towards R, that it was going to be sort of scary, like a scary you know, kind of like Sam Raimi's doing the new Doctor Strange, and he's right. like, oh, this is going to be like horror superhero movie. Um, but I think it's interesting that this was like his, okay, now i got to go do Aquaman for a long time. So let me just literally pull out every single cliche. Let's have, like, abusive husbands. Let's have pregnancies. Let's have visions. Miscarriages. Yep, haunted hospitals. Let's have science experiments. Let's do hypno hypnosis. you got to have some old VHS tapes. Let's have imaginary friends. Yes. Let's bring adoption in. Let's have the scene where you got to find the bios in your background. Let's have the detectives. Like, it, it, it's <laughs> Let's just have like, SVU in here. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's have the cliche detective pair. Um but somehow, I don't want to say he pulled it off, but I, I'm going to give the movie two thumbs up for like literally making my jaw hit the fucking floor the first time I saw it. I feel like James Wan and David Blue Garcia and Fidi Alvarez are all newbies to horror. And I feel like in a lot of ways, they just kind of stumbled upon this genre because it's an accessible genre to the public. And I feel like sometimes... The odes to real horror, to like the fandom of horror, is a little cheapened by them. And I, I feel like a little like betrayed by that because yeah. you can see that they're trying to do something. Um, but that being said, even though this had mixed reviews everywhere, um, I think accidentally Malignant reminded me a little bit uh, of some of the less fantastical Clive Barker stuff. It reminded me of Us with the parallel life. And obviously, uh, you said basket case, but I would say like basket case meets the matrix. 
would be like <laughs> yeah. would be like the perfect thing yes. because there's a part <laughs> a in the middle call. and that's where what I think of it. Yeah. The twin is like doing like cartwheels and flips and all this away from bullets. Um, that part right there in the precinct when they did that, that lost me so hard. Yeah. It looked like a video game. Uh, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, but overall, I liked the movie. I liked when she saw his face and she goes to the police and they, they do a sketch. The artist sketch, the police yeah, artist sketch. The police oh sketch God. of like, it looks like a raw cube steak with hair. It's so good. <laughs> like eyes and hair. I really appreciated uh, that they celebrate that the inside of a washing machine is a very dope place. Great shot. Love that shot. That yeah, was a that cool too. shot. Um, but overall, I liked Malignant. Um, I thought it was like a little bit Cronenberg-y. Um, I liked the body, body horror, horror part sure. of it. Sure. Um, and I thought it overall it was it was pretty good. It's pretty solid. Okay, real quick. Um, this is on HBO. I don't know if we said that. And uh, we're not going to really worry about spoilers tonight. If if you've seen Malignant, you know mm-hmm. that it's really hard to talk about without spoiling. If you've seen TCM, you know it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> we we told you what we were going to talk about this week and what we were going to watch. We feel like that's fair warning. We're not really going to worry about giving stuff away. I mean, these movies are both so silly that it doesn't really matter. Um, I would like to, though, say, Dave, uh, I wouldn't call James Wan a newbie. No. Or he's been making horror movies for like 20 years. He's made a ton. 20 years to me is, is not guess, that long. It's all in, relative. In, in horror, I mean. No, I, I you do. Have the Toby Hoopers, Hoopers, you have the Toby Hoopers and you have the Wes Cravens. The Saw franchise, the Conjuring franchise, the Insidious franchise. I mean, he's. It's a lot of horror. He's got a lot of horror. A lot of horror. It is. Is this his only non franchised movie? And, and I mean. Well, it's only been. It's only been a year. It hasn't even been a year. But he's yeah. talked many times about not being a horror fan. And going for the cash okay, grab. So, yes, of I, I want to say your your main point. I think stands. I agree, and I'm always disappointed when sometimes these these directors that are making these movies they they do this whole song and dance for the fanboys. Okay, that's why I'm not a fan. I like films. I like the cinema. I like movies. Horror is my favorite genre. I'm not a fan of anything. I don't twirl and blow air at people. You know, if it's good, I like it. I'm not. Inve- I wish you would. I'm not like invested in this. Okay, but they do this whole song and dance, and we're not yes men. They, yeah, they try to do these like tributes, quote unquote. But then sometimes you listen to these guys talk, and it's like they don't even know what they're talking about. Tributing James Wan, talking about Jalo. There is nothing remotely Jalo about this movie, in my opinion. I will just say, and I, and I would say the same thing about. Um, Fede Alvarez, uh, Fede Alvarez, whatever, uh, David Blue Garcia, who directed TCM. Um, I do think that it gets to be a little much. Um, I think that you can kind of see the sales pitch sometimes. I agree. I have a question. How did Gabriel all of a sudden know how to do kung fu and take out massive amounts and of gymnastics, people? Gymnastics. When did well. this little being that was... He could barely move his arms. He had like Tyrannosaurus Rex arms. He could (laughs) barely move them. And now he's doing cartwheels. uh, Did he take a gymnastics class? No. It's very thoroughly explained. You can answer this, Kevin. A young Maddie simply says, Gabriel makes me strong. Because (laughs) he's he's taken over her mind. They removed the original Gabriel was removed from her. But okay, did she take a kung fu class? Did she take a matrix class? How? How does he all, all of a sudden know how to take out these trained officers? I mean, that's a <laughs> if you're just taking that part out of the movie, the whole movie would be better. Yeah, uh, agreed. Yeah, agreed. 
A lot of I things dis- would be better if you take things out of this. You were like kill count fifty one. You were psyched about that. Yeah, kill count fifty one. <laughs> that is it. that is a good kill count. So one thing I'd like to point out is that the <laughs> uh, antagonist <laughs> is backwards the entire time. <laughs> it's uh, coming from the perspective of per- the back of a person's head, and their whole body is moving backward, mm-hmm. which is really kind of one of the most amazing things about this movie and it's one of the most like ooh ah kind of things and when you watch it after knowing that you can pick up on a little bit of that before the big reveal this this movie lost me actually pretty early on like i was totally into the mystery because madison is seeing these visions and people are being brutally murdered and she seems to sort of be there in her mind somehow um but there's a there's a scene fairly early on where there's a hostage um, captured by Gabriel, who is this mysterious killer. Mm-hmm. Right away at that scene, it's only like I don't know twenty some minutes in. To me, right there, it's Jigsaw. Uh, it's to me, it's not a departure for James Wan. I thought I was immediately right then watching a Jigsaw movie. I know he's going to be calling the cell phones and saying stuff, and yeah. like I just know how it's going to go. There's going to be hand to hand combat. There's going to be some action. It's going to look super nineties. The not the look. It, it, the Michael Bay of horror. Yeah, we're watching it now in the intro. Jerry is Bruckheimer so is it's so nineties. So it's so more seven. of a tribute to like seven to me than anything with with the action more action mixed in. Well, he but he said and and I w- I wouldn't totally disagree that there's some Jalo influence here. Because you some have red light, you have the mystery killer <laughs> yeah, for a sure, while. Sure, but he ha- he did say that this was like a love letter to like Jalo and the '90s. Scream was more Jalo than this. Um, this was kind of spoiled for me because like when we were talking about this movie when it first came out, uh, Dave kept like saying "basket case" over and over again. So I was not surprised. I was mm-hmm. in the theater. And I knew, I mean, when you say basket case, you know what's there's going not, on. That, yeah, there's yeah. not that many things that that can mean. But was it a packed theater? Uh, no, I try to avoid that. Oh, okay. It wasn't packed. I don't remember how many people were there. Nobody screamed. I knew what was going to happen pretty much when you say basket case. You mm. ruined the movie for me. Thanks, right. Dave. Um, <laughs> it's going to be some kind of Siamese twin or, or uh, conjoined twin, I guess is the... I, I, uh, engaged to a twin. And she has a part on her body uh, where her, her chest bone sticks out and her, her twin sister's is indented. <gasps> so Ooh. creepy. And they like start singing the same songs at the same time in unison. That's it's, re- it's really scary. I love the Gabriel scene, though, shit. When, they, when they have the, the big reveal, I th- if I remember correctly, it's kind of intermingled with the some of the flashback scenes where is it I think it's the adoptive mom and her and Maddie's sister are watching like the tapes that they find at the hospital or whatever. Um, so the big reveal action is sort of like at the same time that we're watching like all these tapes that go back. Um, I totally just lost my train of thought because I was like totally distracted by whatever you guys it's were hard. doing. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to be like to have a, a coherent, cold conversation on this movie because so much happens. I did like the big reveal, the first the reveal when you see the conjoined twin in the hospital going crazy with a little pterodactyl oh, arms. arms. I, <laughs> I like that. Can't. Oh, that's what no. I was going to say. What I loved no. was when they do the, it's time to cut out the cancer. That's your catchphrase. And they like the cut movie. Gabriel off her back and they're like, we're going to try to do the best we can. And the rest of it, we'll just push it back into her skull. What could go wrong there? 
Mm. And Kat, like you asking where Gabriel learned Kung Fu, also apparently Gabriel does some light smithing on the side. Just like fashioning a weapon out of... I think that's... Uh, we talked about this and uh, it's called smithing. Smithing? Like blacksmith. Listen, I have a question. Yes, ma'am. How, how is uh, Gabriel like a supernatural being also? How does this come about? Well, he controls... They tell you in the beginning, they go to great pains to tell you that he can control uh, electricity. Yep. And how, he, can, he can talk to radios. How stuff. come? I don't know. I want to know can. how. It's just because? Right so are you... Stuff here. Is it any conjoined twin has all these powers? No, I the think it's super just strength to break guards' arms and shit. A lot of compound fractures uh, it, this week. Yeah, both movies. Oh, uh, yeah. Which isn't my favorite. I didn't like the detective story, the SVU thing with the the two no. cops and are like doing the whole seven style thing. Like the detective just like barges into Maddie's uh, hospital room when she's like barely conscious and her sister is there, and he just starts talking about like all her miscarriages and like that's HIPAA, bro. I don't <laughs> think you I did bust into. I did, however, I, like the uh, like the person who like assesses the crime scene, and she's like totally into it. You could tell she's like a total sicko, and she's like yeah. into all. That's the... James Wan's wife. Oh, really? Really? I thought I thought yeah. that. Was good. I like that character. I just had a realization. Sorry. Do you think Gabriel is so power? He's taking all the power from the. Dead fetuses. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's what they. What, that's yeah. how they say yeah. that. That's oh. how she wins in the end. Her <laughs> sister literally says, "Like, hold on, this is why you're having." I did fall like asleep. Can, it's like cancer. <laughs> it's no, like cancer. That is thrown in very willy nilly. Okay. The, and the sister is like, "All your oh, okay. miscarriages have been like going to." Oh, the that's how he knows yeah. kung fu. These yeah. fetuses. But that's how, can, knew that's how cancer fu. works. Great overhead shots. There are a lot of great shots in this. It's Th that's where I think it, I could see like Dario Argento comparisons, the overhead stuff. Um, Dave, you mentioned like the, the washing machine shot, you know, things like that. I did see some like similarities to stuff like Suspiria. I'm not saying the movie wasn't very aesthetically pleasing. It was a very mm, well done sometimes. film. It was yeah. fine. Like it wasn't like shitty. It just was, it was just, it was a bit much. I'd be in the middle of the road and I would just say it's not a good movie. No. It's definitely not one of the greatest horror movies of the last 10 years. No. But is it super fun to watch? Well acted, well shot? Yeah. It's, I would and, say it's one of my gore. favorite James Wan movies besides The Conjuring. Yeah. I don't like James Wan. I don't like The Conjuring. Um, the first Saw movie, I think it's great. After that, downhill fast. Um, I, you know, it does look really good until... The, the all the digital gore turned me off. There's a lot of CGI blood this Video week. Video game Both blood. Movies. Oh my god, so much. Both yeah. movies. And I don't. That's I don't give you credit. Like anybody can do that. It's it's 2022. I don't give you credit for doing a bunch of video game blood. Like oh, there are lots of like gory kills. Like who cares? They just somebody programmed that in. I'm sure it took a long time. That's great, but that's not. I bet it doesn't take that long nowadays. Yeah, I I, yeah. I'm that's why they do it to, that way. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to do it, so I'm not saying that. It's not hard, but it doesn't look good to me. Well, this was one of the first phase of the interesting experience where movies were being released on like HBO Max yes. at the same time as theaters, right. Paramount Plus. Um, and this one was a $40 million budget, so huge, pretty budget. big budget yeah. for a horror movie. Probably one of Juan's biggest in the horror genre. I'm sure it's Fast and the Furious and, and Aquaman and stuff were me like mega budget. But it only made 34 mil at the box office. But I'm curious, I don't know how this translates into revenue. That's but what I was wondering. HBO said that it had 1.6 million streams in its first 30 days. Yeah. 
But I mean, what's, I don't know what to compare that just, to. Yeah, like is yeah. that? But how many were new subscriptions? How many people shelled right. out fifteen bucks a month because they wanted to watch Malignant? Right. It's know. hard to tell where this ranks, like compared to Halloween Kills, which was, I believe, only was it only in theaters first for a month? No, it was same time. Was that simultaneous? Because that did huge box office numbers. I think it was a little later in the pandemic, and people, so people were, were yeah, going, people were probably yeah. going more to back theaters. at the movies. But yeah, I this thought was that what, was interesting. August? This was September. It was, and this also had like a, which I don't mind this, but this like hit theaters in September. I think it did uh, HBO. I thought it was well, this, the same time. Theaters and HBO in September. Yeah. VOD in October. And then it was already on Blu-ray in November. Right. So you remember like back in the day, you had to go to the movie theater to see a movie. Then you had to wait like six months for the blockbuster rental. And then like six more months before you could actually buy it yourself. Yeah, so it's it's hard to assess like how many people saw this movie or how was it a success? I don't know. You spend forty million. I don't think it made forty million at the box office. Um, but I don't know how that translates with streaming numbers. You know, I don't know that math. I don't know. I'm, I'm this whole this is like back in the day when it took years and years and years to even get data out of uh, movie companies for DVD sales. You know, that was like their big secret. They they released the box office numbers. And be like, oh, you know, we really lost money on this movie, but then they made five times the budget in, in DVD sales. A lot of hand-to-hand -hand combat. That's another thing that I don't, I don't like, like about when, when a movie tries to go hand-to-hand -hand combat. To me, that just means you don't have an idea. So now the antagonist and the protagonist have to be locked in some sort of wrestling match. And they guns and I mean, I'm not trying to watch an action movie. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not what I'm trying to watch a horror movie. Not a kung fu movie, you know? I agree. Ligma ball. All right, remember, we are spoiling the <laughs> shit out of these, and Trent could not have been more right that it really doesn't matter with this one. Nah. I'd, I'd love to hear from some of our listeners who are newer horror fans that may not be attached to the original, but the second movie we're going to talk about tonight is the very recently, February 18th, exclusive to Netflix, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hold on. It's not Scoff. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No. It's not Texas Chainsaw 3D. <laughs> this is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. I don't really know what more I need to tell you. We have Leatherface coming back. We have yet another franchise that wants to retcon everything except for the original. And by the way, again, is this the only franchise that is retcon? Tried the retcon twice? This has already been retcon so many times, it's hard <laughs> to keep track. Yeah. Retcon. So, and it takes place in present day. So, Dave, I believe earlier you had a good fact. Leatherface would be 81, 82 years old? 82. Yeah. He's born in 1939. Ooh. Well, he acts like Lawrence Taylor in his prime in this movie. <laughs> and you have a bunch of millennials that are going to a desolate Texas town, Harlow. I w so hold on. I wouldn't say they're millennials. They're Gen Zers, Gen right? Gen Zers. Okay, sorry, Kat. I'm because I'm a millennial. I, I'm, I know where okay. this. I know where you're coming from. Right, I know why you're mad. I didn't mean to interject. Yeah, Continue. back off. Still in a <laughs> pandemic. Scoot <laughs> you away. A bunch of Gen Zers. A bunch of young people. Okay. Yeah. A bunch of young people have, again, 
I don't know how it's explained in the movie. It seems like they got a bank to buy an old abandoned town, and they, as influencers, are busting in a bunch of youngsters, a bunch of TikTokers, that are going to, they're going to auction off all the so buildings. They're going to live in the town. Yeah, they're yeah, going to turn like this into a utopia away from the big city. And they're going to live this idealistic hipster life away from Austin. It's like if all, all of the values of these characters would not comport with all moving to Harlow, Texas. It's so n- no, stupid. No, it's real hard to believe. But who knows? We're not these young people. Trent, maybe that's the uh, the vibe amongst that generation is they're like, we, we want to get away from the smokestacks in the big city. Let's go to where they drive trucks that run on like pure Mother Earth energy and mm-hmm. carry guns around all the time. Vibe mm-hmm. shift. Anyway, it's a very obvious setup. They piss off Leatherface. He comes out of hiding. He finds a mask, which that's actually a pretty cool part of the movie, and he just starts killing everybody. I don't know if mm-hmm. he finds it. He makes, yeah. he makes <laughs> yeah. it. Right. Yeah, good point. He can't really find someone's face. It was already there. But the big <laughs> kicker here is completely unlike 2018's Halloween. You have the original surviving character from 1974's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Sally Hardesty. She went away to become a Texas Ranger after Mm -hmm. the original film, and she has never once spoken about the events of that day. But she has waited her entire life to have Leatherface resurface. Uh, We've talked about this a lot via text just before we started recording this segment. (laughs) Uh, Not fans. Nobody's really a fan. However, I just admitted I need to stop watching this movie because I watched it a few times paying attention then I just kind of like had it on doing some work and you know we were watching it a little bit earlier tonight before the show we've got it on right now I, I kind of start liking it more the more that I watch it anyway so this movie I was in the airport going to Washington DC and I this movie came out uh, I had to fly at 7 a.m this movie came out I found out at midnight I was super psyched and then of course, Pacific versus Eastern Time. It was at 3 o'clock in the morning, so I had to wait until 3 o'clock in the morning to watch this. I was super psyched to watch it. I watched it, like, super quiet, like, on the lowest volume because my whole family was sleeping and they had to get up in the morning to go to the airport. Uh, And then I continued watching it uh, in pieces the first time I watched it silently in, like, line in (laughs) D.C., at the National Monument and like in the security <laughs> check at the airport. Culture. And I was like watching this and then I watched it. Uh, I I watched this movie like four times in completely and I wanted it to fulfill all my dreams of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I love the original so much. It went far from the original. The more times I watched it, the more I was... I forgave that I went far from the original. Mm. I'd heard some interviews with Fidi Alvarez where he just sounded totally out of touch with the original. Um, I thought it stole too much from the remake of Halloween uh, where you have like the, you know, the federal bus crashes and he escapes and whatever. Um, Saw's family from... Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, that was a slogan for the the, yes. the the thing. And I think that's what it is. It's family. And I don't like it being diminished down to just Leatherface mm-hmm. as a slasher. 
I want the whole family in there. Uh, I think their whole family's scary, and I think that they, the fact that they got rid of uh, a lot of the other characters and made, if you if you go from the beginning, Leatherface was born in 1939. In 1974, he would be 35 years old, and in this remake, he would be 82 years old. Um, like, it's proof in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre that you can be scary at 82 because of the grandfather. Mm-hmm. Sure. The grandfather the was grandfather one of the scariest not things. not a professional wrestler in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know, he's, it, they just reduce it down. Um, some of my favorite characters are gone from this. Uh, it's just a leather face story, straight up. He's in an orphanage. I don't know who would... Adopts an orphan at thirty five. Yeah, but that, that like, was what I was. Adopt wondering. me, bro. Adopt me. Like, <laughs> that's, if, if that's a great a, point. I went to see a great movie last night called A Banquet. It just mm-hmm. it just came out. It's in theaters. If you are lucky enough to live near a smaller independent theater, you can see A Banquet, or it's on uh, VOD. It's like six ninety nine right now because it, it just I've heard came of it. out. Uh, first time uh, feature director, first time feature screenwriter. Great movie. Uh, really still thinking about A Banquet today. Love to see it again. Reminded me a lot of St. Maud. I think you guys will really like A Banquet. Um, this movie, the most interesting thing to me about Texas Chainsaw Massacre is trying to figure out like who is responsible for this movie. Uh, we were told originally this was kind of sold as uh, Fede Alvarez. Wow, he did the Evil Dead remake. We talked about that, 2013. A lot of people like Don't Breathe. It's an up-and-coming guy, although... It's been a decade since Evil Dead. Like to point that out. Um, so at first you're like, wow, maybe he's going to do to Texas Chainsaw Massacre what he did uh, with Evil Dead, which was overseen by Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, and Tappert, right? So they were yes. the producers on that. So you have to start asking yourself, like, who is really making the movie here? Now, Alvarez would be in that role for this movie. He was the producer. And he is credited as a story by. Now, I don't know what story by means. He is not the screenwriter. The screenplay was written by a guy with three names. I don't care. Uh, he wrote a movie called um, Cobweb, uh, also out this year. Yeah, not out yet, but that, Chris, those, that's it. Devin Chris Thomas. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah. No, Chris Thomas oh. Devin. Okay, it was directed by uh, David Blue Garcia. He has one feature film under his uh, belt that was well-received that he directed. Um, I feel like you can't really blame him. Normally, I assign most credit for for movies to the director. This is the person who is running the show every day. This is the person in charge. And, but you don't really know like how much the producers have to say about it. So you, you get into a movie like this where it's not... We watch a lot of stuff that's like a writer-director's vision. A guy wrote or a, or a woman wrote the movie and directed the movie and... It's kind of their vision. Now, so this, you have your screenwriter, you have your director, you have your story by, quote-unquote, you have your producers. I don't know who thought this was a good idea. I don't know how... The original... Well, also, of, one, one yeah. more thing, Trent, sorry. Go ahead. Is the Toehill brothers were, were the original directors. Lasted two weeks. Lasted one week. One week. <laughs> and they were, what, shooting in Bulgaria? Bulgaria, cheap and to shoot. And then they got removed... Well, I guess it or depends quit. on who you I, ask. It's unclear yeah, what well, happened. No, I, I think it was a, what else uh, have hey, they you want to walk away quietly? And they scrapped everything and started, <laughs> what over. Else started have, over. What else have they done? Uh, they're new. They've done like mostly TV. Yes, the mostly. Brothers. They've done some good stuff, but yeah. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. So, so originally they were supposed to direct this movie, and the Toehill brothers lasted a week. 
scrapped and started over. Um, I just, I, I'm trying to imagine like, what, you know, where did this go wrong? The screenplay is terrible. We can definitely blame that guy. Um, the, the direction, I guess, is fine. I don't know if I really blame David Blue Garcia. Like, it's not, you know, poorly directed, I guess. No, it, it looks beautiful. It looks great. Um, the lighting is great. The, the colors are great. You know, and, and if you listen to interviews with um, Blue Garcia, he, he talks about um, his approach to the, the, the aesthetic of it. He talks about that he's from Texas, the first Texan filmmaker to take a crack at the very troubled franchise. Um, he says that he knows old farmers who are 80 and they're still very strong. So that was like his idea for uh, for Leatherface. Bullshit. Uh, That's okay. fucking bullshit. It's, just, it's, it's a, a portrait of massive failure. And why, did, why didn't I, he cast one of them as Leatherface? I think everyone is indictable here. I don't know. So bad. Fortunately for me, uh, my hopes were not high for this one. No. You guys had seen it before I did. And so I was. You, the reviews started to flood in. <laughs> I would say via our group text. I tried to quiet that <laughs> noise down. You know, but I was like, well, this isn't going to be great. Because, like, I know, you know, it's Dave's favorite franchise. It's all of our... It's everyone's Texas Chainsaw favorite. Massacre is all of our favorite horror movie of you know all I mean? time. We so, all think that that is the greatest one, if there could be only one. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I wasn't as disappointed as I could have been had I not known it was going to be absolute um, dog shit. Mm. But... You know, I think we're all on the same page with this one. It was just ugh. I just ugged the whole time. I was just the legacy reboot thingy mm. that everyone's been going for. Definitely not successful in this one. Not as successful as Halloween, in my opinion. Definitely way less successful than Scream, which yeah. we all know I was a huge fan of. I Make, think. It makes that look like Citizen Kane or something. Honestly, the greatest movie ever saw. Fucking <laughs> Jesus, fucking Rosebud over there. Yeah. Um. It was just I, I I agree with Dave in that I hate that they ignored the sequels because they ignored the whole meat and potatoes of this of this movie. The whole thing was about the family. That was the creepiest part. Is it was like this like passed down generational murdering. Right. Right. You know that was the whole meat and potatoes of the thing. So the fact that they just didn't say what happened to anyone else. Didn't talk about anything. All of a sudden, they're just like, and Leatherface is in an orphanage? Like, who is this woman that's running this orphanage? Like, we don't fucking know. Nope. Um, it was just, it was taking away the good parts of the original movie and just, just pooping all over it. Um, it just doesn't make any sense as to why a 40-year-old man's in an orphanage. I don't understand. Um, 82. Sorry. Well, I think he's, well, he, when I think he he's a developmentally... Impaired. Well, obviously, but like, also, it just turns into this weird anti youth movie, the anti Gen Zer. Like, that was like the only interesting MAGA. thing about it. It kind of gets mega, which is like, when we they, don't see that very often. When they so made Halloween, when they made that one guy the only like likable character, when yeah. they made the one like gun toting, truck driving, truck driving, herp derp kind of a guy the only likable character. Yeah. That you didn't want to die. I was like, I yeah. don't know. I don't know if I like this movie very much because I didn't root for any of the victims no, at all. Terrible. But I also didn't want to root for weird Leatherface. No. And I okay. I have to talk. I have to talk about this. The new mask that he makes. Ugh. While I appreciate the scene 
of him procuring finding said mask. Procuring. Yes. Um, it looks like a weird puppet. Like it looks like a weird, like wonder chosen puppet or like a weird anti Muppet uh, kind, kind of a situation. Kind of an old reference, but I read somebody describe it as a baked potato meets Peter Boyle. And that really is exactly what it looks like. You, kids might not know who Peter Boyle is. But I don't know who Peter Boyle he is. He looks like that. Okay. okay. Um, he just looked ridiculous to me. It was just, I, every, when he, po- <laughs> sorry, when he pops up from the cornfield and it's supposed Sunflower to be like the scary field. shot, whatever. <laughs> when he pops up in the field, it's just like, whoop. Like it's, it's so the bad. stupidest so thing I've ever but seen. But it looks beautiful. It's a beautiful shot, but he just looks so ridiculous and not scary at all um anyway kills were fine there were some moments where i was like "Ooh, nice but other like you know the compound fractures that we were talking about the use of one's own bone Hmm. in the killing very original of them that was great sure but not a texas chainsaw massacre that i that i want no it was a texas chainsaw massacre it's happening right now Oh there my god! There it right is. The Great. <laughs> so this this has a a lot of similarities to the last movie we talked about, *Malignant*. It does. In that it does. It, they throw way too much at you. And you said the screenplay is terrible. I'm wondering. I'd like to see the screenplay, because oftentimes you know screenplays will have a lot more than what they film. Sure. And, you know, as we all know, this movie is a brisk 83 minutes. Right. Same, mercifully. Thanks, Same God. running time as the original. Oh, I think it was 84 minutes. So that's supposed to be like a cool thing for the fans, I guess. But they try to throw, we know that they filmed probably three hours worth of material. Oh, probably. And then edited it down to, yeah. you know, to the 83 minutes. But this has, you know, like Kat said, it's got. Like the stereotypical hillbilly Texan with his big truck and smokestack and his gun, and like the tables are turned. And then you've got the Gen Zers, you've got social media, you have gentrification, you have racism, you have the environment, you have school shootings that they throw school in. School shootings, oh my God. In. You have the Second what? Amendment. Uh, they just throw so much, and zero of it is actually fleshed out. None of it. Mm-hmm. None of it has anything to do with the fact that all they needed to do was try to get Leatherface out of the orphanage to start killing people again. Yep. Like, they literally don't. And you, they, they don't... No character's backstory is fleshed out. Nobody's identity except for the Texan guy. Yeah. Like, he's the only... Well, we don't, we don't the, know where his backstory is, but, like, as far as, like, an emotional development... And I, I will... I will Hardesty. Sally Hardesty, too. No, that is like they literally uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. She, she is not both in um, acting and how things turn out for her. <laughs> um, yeah, I will agree, Trent. Um, our the, the little sister who survived the the school shooting, Lila, our main, our prob, our, our our main. I guess, yeah, I guess, yeah, girl. kind of. It's kind of she's the final girl. I guess she's the final girl. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did now? Did she have sex with a MAGA guy? Is no, that no. They didn't no, have not sex. Not even close. They they played with a gun. And then she like was ripping a butt. Oh well, I thought the implication end. was that they had they had had sex. No, that was cigarette. her sister's assumption. I thought her sister was correct. No, I. She said she was just using the bathroom. That I think that was a joke. I don't. Right. I, I don't think, think they, they had was. sex. Did they bang? Yeah, 
That's why he was sitting on the bed, and the bed was all messed up, and they were like, oh. She walks in. cigarettes. How old is this girl? Yeah, I don't know. It's just a, one of many dumb things. A child happened. is a child. <laughs> Bringing it back. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. I thought that was the implication. Uh. But to take it even deeper, like, they don't even give characters names in this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> I certainly didn't care. It was good. They didn't. I didn't care about any Dante's of the names. No, but partner. think about it. So... If you go to like like IMDb, if you want to find out some of the actors and actresses, and they'll have their names. So Dante, who is uh, one of our main characters, one of the main young people that are auctioning off these buildings, and right. he's a big time cook, and he and his girlfriend right. Ruth, the chef Kevin, chef, sorry, <laughs> Ruth, he and his girlfriend Ruth are there, and she, they never speak her name in the movie. The subtitles even say, they say- Dante's partner. <laughs> yeah, that was like one of the first things I noticed. Is I was like, I me and that. Nick were both like, wait, is it? Is she? She's gonna be the first to die then, right? Because they it never says say yes, name. Dante's partner, refer- and so we knew when they get pulled over by the cops in the beginning of the movie. He refers yeah. to her as my future wife. What a piece of shit! Just na- how hard is it to name a character? Or to well, well, apparently in the script you named her, but you never said you never put a line of dialogue in to have someone say her name. Ridiculous. But even worse. You have William Hope as as sheriff. Just sheriff. We all know who William Hope is, right? Like literally one nope. of the greatest character actors of all time. No clue. Mm-hmm. Okay, Aliens. He was Gorman, the dick that kept screwing everything up in Aliens. Yes. Okay. I don't really. Either remember, way, honestly. look up William Hope. Spending <laughs> a million things. I was excited. I was That's like, only one thing though. I, well, I could have filled a page with okay. his with his filmography. Okay. I saw him and I was excited. It's like, wow, cool. Like he's gonna have like this big part. It's gonna be a cool sheriff angle. Nope. His name? Sheriff. Yep. And then the other guy, I think his name was like deputy. And even even like when they're talking to each other, you'd think that like someone would be like, you know, hey, Sheriff Banks or something like anything. Like, even yeah, it's it's so it's so poorly written. So there's poorly a, written. There's a thing that all the uh sequels to Texas Chainsaw Massacre do, and it's a point where Leatherface looks in the mirror and sees how ugly he is, but he's wearing someone else's face. Right. So, like, why does it even matter? Like, like, why is he judging his looks on someone else's face? Uh, they're trying to do a weird introspective thing that doesn't matter in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. It's like a fucking Rob Zombie making Michael Myers have feelings kind of a situation. Well, he, th- this is the, the thing to me. The bottom line here is that there's nothing like inherently brilliant about uh, some cannibals eat people in the woods. That There's nothing like... But they don't even eat people. In That's the, not even the, mentioned not in this. One, they, yeah, I mean, they, they forget about that, but... Like, there's no reason to keep making these, is what I'm saying. Like, the, the, the reason the first one is, like, the greatest horror movie of all time, in my opinion, in our opinion, the reason is because of the way that it's done. Not that, like, it's so brilliant that a guy had a chainsaw and killed people. That's not what's brilliant about it. It's the way that it is done is what's so good. So you can make these, you know, and, and probably somebody will make these until we die. Um, this was supposed to be in theaters last fall. That got very quietly scuttled. There were rumors that uh, audience test screenings didn't go well. They ran Alvarez out there to do press and deny that. He's a liar. 
Um, I thought, oh, 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 <laughs> well, wow. let, let me finish now. Yeah. Um, okay, this was, as we said, supposed to be a retcon. Of, this was a direct sequel to the original. All the other stuff didn't happen. As soon as this was released, Alvarez was out there within days going on podcasts saying, well, actually, all that stuff might have happened. It, it, it might not be a retcon. He doesn't know. He doesn't care. He doesn't an, give a shit. He doesn't care at all. I saw an interview with um, Blue Garcia where he says the same thing after it came out. He's like, well, you know, I mean, 50 years is a long time. Maybe all those other movies did happen. I'm not saying that they didn't. I mean, nobody cared You're about this terrible. at all. How did it happen is my question. Well, if this was a movie that wasn't called Texas Chainsaw Massacre, my idea was a movie called Ghost Town, where it's mm. just a guy who's been in an orphanage way too long, and he's mad, and he goes out and kills everybody. Yeah. Like, yeah. that would have been fine. A cheap Netflix sure. horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. We would have been... We'd be here right now seeing how great it was. Mm -hmm. if it would it was been, not like a Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre movie. It would have been like a classic horror story that we talked about. Like exactly. a new original yeah. idea that we had, like maybe wasn't perfect, maybe threw a little bit too much at you and didn't really have like a ton of character development. I, I think we still would have had some issues with, you know, I would not like, no, this, the, like some yeah. of the character backstories and, and everything. <laughs> you know, social commentary is social com like trying to throw social commentary like it's almost like these guys thought that they were going to like be able to start mixing some of the high art horror that we talk about like hereditary or get out uh, they're going to start to try to throw that into a leatherface movie like just stop you know just and and, and i agree i i probably would have liked this uh, and probably wouldn't have been as viciously watching it you know, like just watching it with so much judgment if it wasn't Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I, I disagree with it. I, this is a dunderheaded, terrible, awful, stupid movie. I, I don't care what you <laughs> could have called it. Anything with good it gore. Awful. Great gore. gore. Nah, he's, gore. Never, he's never shot with lasers How at any point. How hard is it to do great he's gore not like, 2022? Uh, it's almost all CGI. Well, yeah, this, they, they have gore. some good practical effects in this one. I will give them that. that, that again, I would hope. That's where they put their their attention. Is what were we just talking about? Where, um, like every time the gore happened, like they went and got the good camera. Meat uh, grinder. Meat grinder. Yeah, and and this one, it, it everything looks beautiful, but there are some some really good kills, and there is the bus scene. The bus. That's scene. what I. Yeah, I just want to bring attention oh, to the bus come scene. Come on. It has one of the worst it's lines good. in the franchise. It's so Trent, good. we need to debate. We okay. can debate it right now. I just. There was a funny moment in when I was watching it with Nick, and he goes, you ever just wonder what would happen if Leatherface ever got onto a party bus? And that's all this fucking was, is he just walks out, and he's like, woo-woo. And then so I just want to know, you know, we all went through the bus exit safety drills in elementary school, right? Yeah, good point. Where where was all that training? They didn't even try on to this escape. Bus. They're, they're like, in like the they're ah. in like the reinforced like party back of the bus. Yeah, and it's like the one woman there, the banker that gets to the she sneaks to the front of the bus where they do have the safety windows. Uh, I think there's an exit in the back. There has to be an exit. There's an exit. It just was it's so just too ridiculous. Stupid to care about that. I thought funny. it was funny, you know. Everyone all of a sudden is like live streaming on their stupid phones. Like that wow, was like this a is modern day. Funny if moment. it was wow, stupider, TikTok. If oh. it was stupider, it would have been better. It was like shocking. that part was so stupid that I was like, just go stupid the whole way, and yeah. I'll, I'll be kind of into it. Yeah, don't because be that's original. About it. Yeah, that's what Toby Hooper did with Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. As he went completely and black comedy, stupid. 
You didn't like that? I said I, I liked that one. I did too. Yeah. And I wish it would have just stayed with that. Well, we need to talk about some of the worst lines in the entire franchise. This, for being my favorite horror movie of all time, the original I'm, I'm talking about, it's, it's also the worst franchise of all of the major franchises. Um, uh, Hellraiser. Yes. Uh, Don't forget I, about Hellraiser. I think that might be the worst. And then this. Okay, good call. Good, <laughs> How many good sequels call. did that's Hellraiser have? <laughs> okay, that's like probably up for seven. Like okay. seven. I only saw the first two, to be honest. <laughs> no, there's like nine or ten. I yeah, think there's a lot. Now. This yeah, is and the there's ninth. a new one in, in production. This is the ninth Texas Chainsaw movie. That's a lot. Yeah. They're almost at double digits. But stop. Terrible line. So Trent and I went and saw Texas Chainsaw 3D back in theaters. Yes. And there's a line that mm-hmm. Alexandra Daddario says in that where she realizes that she is uh, Leatherface's cousin. <laughs> and Leatherface, again, that's another movie that, that tries to make. It was That was the original retcon. Right. And that's another movie kind of like this one. They do it way more heavy-handed in Texas Chainsaw 3D. They try to make Leatherface as like a sympathetic character. Yes, an anti-hero. Yeah, yes. and then she like... You know, he's getting picked on by the old sheriff that killed the whole Sawyer family, and she throws him his chainsaw and says, do your thing, cuz. One of the worst, uh, like, literally, even if it was an awesome movie, that would have, like, taken a full star down for me. This one has a couple lines that that might rival it for worst lines in the franchise. One thing is when he gets on the party bus and everyone pulls their phones out, and the one dude says, try anything and you're canceled, bro. <laughs> so bad it's classic. Bro. It's not classic. It's <laughs> that we'll never think about it again after this week. Another one is our our final girl, Lila. We don't no one knows that his name's Leatherface until, until Sally Hardesty shows up right. in the third act and says Leatherface. And then shortly after Leatherface is a- attacking Lila's sister who is one of the most annoying characters in a movie that I've seen in a while. And she says, hey, leather fuck. Yeah, hilarious. Um, that does remind me, though, one, one kind of cool thing, I guess, is that when you saw the trailer for this movie and you saw Sally Hardesty, you thought, oh, they're just copying Halloween Kills. They're, they're trying to make Sally Hardesty into a Laurie Strode-type character down to the white hair. She's coming back 50 years later. Um, but in this movie, they, they make you think that, but then... Like Leatherface just kills her, no problem. Yeah, uh, chainsaw through the gut, roys her. Dude, she's still like shooting guns and stuff. She yeah, still gets a couple yeah, shots. Like, and she's got a chainsaw through but, her body in the air. Like, but I liked, I liked that even they knew that that was too stupid, and they just tricked you with that, and then just killed her. She's not going to be in the next one. Maybe she will. Maybe they'll. Is retcon there going to be a next I mean, one? They should retcon this. The shouldn't be retcon. Uh, Blue Garcia was already talking about like sequels. I will. I mean, there's a post. There's a post credit scene. We keep talking about like, where's the family? Where's the family? The post credit scene is Leatherface walking home. Right. Walking to the original house. Uh, one other I'd funny thing I thought was the uh, Tesla gag. There is a, a Tesla <laughs> automatic driving car gag at the end of this. Like, yeah. okay, I mean, that that would be like kind of funny as a tweet. I don't I don't you know, it doesn't really make this movie any better, but okay, you got at least one joke off. More like jack off. Oh my Woo! god. Well that's that's like the epitome of what makes horror movies frustrating and i don't know if they were doing that on purpose but like after everything that those two girls had gone through the last thing you would do is start the car and hit automatic drive you'd start the car and hit the gas pedal as hard as you could like you have shot stabbed chainsawed 
drowned this guy and he just keeps coming back again that's another thing that they did in this with like how like they did with the halloween movies like we just talked about halloween kills when did leatherface become completely unkillable i mean in all the other movies save for maybe the 2003 remake like he's he's never really hurt um i mean i, th- I think in the 03 remake beale takes off like one of his arms with his own chainsaw i'm just grateful that leatherface didn't go to space that's not next. yet. He didn't go to space. Next. Terrible, terrible movie. I, I, I regret that um, I wasted my time on it. I we almost, couldn't not. I though. mean, I regret that we had to talk about it, but yeah. we had to. Yeah. yeah, we did have to. It's what the it's what the people expect and want from us. Save your time. Watch a banquet. Seven dollars. That's a pretty good deal. Great movie. Worse than worse than any line spoken in this movie is the cheap The Shining moment. I mean, by that point, the whole thing was so offensive. I didn't even notice that (laughs) reference because I was just so... There's even, like, when they're banging on the bus and trying to get out, it's very Dawn of the Dead remake, like the 04 remake. Uh, Jeepers Creepers 2. Sure. If you're going to talk about buses, yeah. Jeepers Creepers coming out, too. Yeah, there's a new... uh, Yeah, I I would be more interested in that, in the new Jeepers Creepers. I bet that will be better than this. Oh, not after the last one. The last one was so bad. Chainsaw Massacre is our Bible. You're not really not going to... Oh, supposedly... According to David Blue Garcia, the chainsaw in this is one of the original actual chainsaws they used in the first movie. That is legend has it. And he said they had a really hard time with it on the set because it wouldn't start. It was really hard to deal with because it was that old. But he doesn't claim to know for sure. He said that's just what he was told. They should be endorsed by like Cabela's. Nobody knows anything about that. They're just making shit up, dude. There's no budget. Kevin, did you find a budget on this? No, I can't find anything on Nobody this. Nobody knows anything about it's this movie. It's a Netflix movie. They keep that shit under. Everyone as soon as they ashamed. bought it, everything's under wraps. <laughs> There's nothing out there. Uh, nobody wants to take any responsibility for it. They're hope- We're all going to forget about it. I know I will forget about it immediately. Mm-hmm. By the time I'm I go keep to bed tonight. It. Forget about what? 